This episode of the Royal Ramble is dedicated to the memory of Darren Drozdov. Happy belated Canada Day to all my Canadian brothers and sisters on this rainy Sunday afternoon here in Toronto. I hope you all had a fun weekend. I took a few extra days off of work last week, so it actually did feel like a long weekend for me, and I always make an effort to get out of the city, so took a bit of a day trip to Collingwood on Friday. For those who have never been, I highly recommend it. Maybe not for vacation, but a nice day, little day trip. It's basically between Blue Mountain Village and Wasaga Beach, so there's plenty to do. And because it's positioned between two top vacation spots, not a lot of people stop by, so there's plenty of parking and not a lot of foot traffic. There is a lot of great scenery to take in, and the people are mostly warm and friendly. You can walk by the waterfront, do some shopping in town, and they have a strip of cute little mom-and-pop stores and a lot of great restaurants. I think they're mostly known for their seafood, so a lot of options in that regard. But that was my weekend, or should I say the start of my weekend, and then of course I was back in time for the Money in the Bank event, which wrapped up just under 24 hours ago. I was also a guest on the Wall of Media podcast with my friends Rylan and Kyle last night, reviewing the 2001 WWF Invasion pay-per-view. I'll post that up in the group when it's available. But right now, you are listening to the Royal Ramble, and I am your host, Blaine the Brain, and today we are talking about Money in the Bank. They may have actually left money on the table yesterday in the form of L.A. Night, but I'll get into that in a bit. In fact, why wait? Let's get right into it. The show started with a very 60s-style intro, almost like a James Bond movie, which fit the theme pretty well. I think WWE has done a really good job lately of creating premium live event themes based on where the show is taking place, and this one was no exception. There were actually a lot of references to progress wrestling on this show, so I can only imagine that Vince McMahon wasn't watching or had no influence. Opening the event was the Men's Money in the Bank match, which was kind of surprising given that it certainly received more attention than most of the matches on the card, especially the other Money in the Bank match. But it was a good way to get the crowd into it, and this crowd was on fire the whole night. They were into almost everything. So in this match, it was Butch who was the hometown favorite, though maybe not the actual favorite in the match, Shinsuke Nakamura, Santos Escobar, who had face paint across his eyes like some kind of bandito, Damian Priest, who was surprisingly not featured in any of the segments leading up to the match, Ricochet, LA Knight, who was the clear favorite in this match, the fans showered him with praise, and then the final participant was Logan Paul. As soon as the bell rang, everyone just ganged up on Logan, which I thought was great. At one point, Butch pulled out a cricket bat from under the ring to use, and Cole noted that it was some kind of club. Really? See, this is why I always cringe whenever anyone refers to Cole as the greatest announcer of all time. Luckily, Barrett was there to correct him, and it's great that they went with Barrett for this show instead of Graves. Logan tried to work with Priest later in the match, and they set up a couple of tables on the floor, and then Logan went to high-five him, and Priest just cold-cocked him. There was a great spot where Santos was climbing, and Butch met him up there and latched onto his back like a spider monkey to apply a rear-naked choke. They both kind of fell backwards onto a ladder bridge that was set up between the ropes and the other ladder, and then Ricochet launched off the top rope with a springboard 450 splash. 
Later on, Butch executed a moonsault off another ladder on the floor onto the match participants down below, and I always find it very convenient that there are always a whole bunch of guys just casually standing in the right position for this move. Back in the ring, Escobar delivered a Hurricane Rana off a ladder to Butch, who was standing on another ladder, which looked great. Then there was a frightening spot where Ricochet and Logan Paul were jockeying for position on a ladder near the briefcase, and LA Knight tipped the ladder over, so both of these guys fell towards the ropes. It looked like they were supposed to land on the top rope, but Paul noticeably struggled with his footing a bit and almost got tied up, so the move was botched, and then Ricochet tried to do a Spanish fly to the outside, but Logan was still a little tied up, and the move looked nasty, as they both crashed through the outside table, with Logan almost landing on his head. Fortunately, Ricochet was able to basically save his life on that attempt, and it looked very awkward and dangerous. Paul did have a cut on his shoulder, it looked like, but it could have been a lot worse. So this left Knight alone in the ring, and the fans were exploding for him. He had his hands on the case, but then Priest met him at the top and hit a broken arrow off the ladder, allowing Priest to climb back up and grab the case. Honestly, I'm fine with this outcome. As super over as Knight is, I really don't think he needs the briefcase. He's probably the best talker in WWE, and I think strong booking will do more for his career than any briefcase or title will. I just hope they keep his momentum going, but I'm sure he'll be fine. I think there's more of a story to be told with Priest anyway. The recently unified women's tag team titles were on the line next as Ronda Rousey and Shayna Baszler defended against former champions who really never lost the belt, Liv Morgan and Raquel Rodriguez. Liv was basically dressed in the Union Jack, as Barrett noted that she almost looked like a Spice Girl, which is about a 25-year-old reference, which is probably older than Liv, although maybe the Spice Girls were like the Beatles to her, who knows. There really wasn't much to this match, it was pretty basic up until the end. The story was the heel team going after the arm of Liv. There was a double submission spot at one point where Shayna had applied a key lock while Ronda had an ankle lock, but then Raquel broke it up. And then literally out of nowhere, Shayna just jumps Rousey from behind and chokes her out, which seemed like a big surprise for the sake of it. It was unexpected and never really teased on television and didn't make a whole lot of sense, but it'll be interesting to see what they do with this, as I think both girls need something, as they're both just kind of existing on the main roster and neither really attached to any major program until now. So Shayna leaves, allowing the babyface team to pick the bones. It doesn't really do them any favors either. But anyway, Raquel hits the Tejada bomb and Liv follows up with Oblivion and we have new tag team champions. Kayla catches up with the men's money in the bank winner Damian Priest in the back. He says regardless of whichever title he decides to go after, the one certainty is that he will be a champion. Speaking of championships, the Intercontinental title was on the line next as Gunther defended against Matt Riddle. It was an okay match. Gunther basically tried to remove the protective tape from around Riddle's feet and then targeted the ankle. The end came when Gunther repeatedly slapped the base of Riddle's injured foot and then applied a knee bar submission for the quick tap out to retain his title. And then almost immediately, Drew McIntyre's music hit and Drew made his return in front of the London crowd. He got in Gunther's face and Gunther just kind of pie-faced him. Drew answered back with a Glasgow kiss and then the Claymore, so it looks like that this is the direction for the IC title program, probably at SummerSlam. I'm fine with that, although I definitely expect Gunther to break Honky Tonk Man's record. Cody Rhodes vs. Dominic Mysterio is up next. Cody had a cast around his wrist, still selling the injury from his match with Brock at Night of Champions. The beginning of the match was all hit and run on Dominic's part. Cody eventually caught him and then took over. 
Rhea then got involved, once again giving Dawn the advantage, but it didn't last too long as Cody hit an Alabama slam followed by the Cody cutter and then the crossroads to finally win the match. I was 100% expecting a Brock Lesnar run-in during this match, but the fact that we didn't get it kind of emphasizes how unimportant this match was and kind of a waste of Cody, to be honest. And as we were expecting some kind of break in the action, suddenly John Cena's music hit and Cena came out as a huge surprise. He said it was great to be back in front of a London crowd. In fact, I remember that great match he had with Shawn Michaels in this very city. Cena said he can't believe that it took this long to get another premium live event in London and said it's a matter of time until we get a WrestleMania in London because this night does feel like WrestleMania. Cena's interrupted by Grayson Waller. Waller sarcastically says that it's an absolute honor to be in the same ring as John Cena, but that he's disappointed that Cena is out here lying to these people. Waller says if WrestleMania goes international, it should go to Australia. Needless to say, that line didn't get over with the London crowd. Waller offers to help save Cena's career and invites him to be a guest on the Grayson Waller effect at WrestleMania Australia. Cena says that Mania needs to come to London, and then Waller attacks him from behind. Cena quickly fights back and drills Waller with an AA. There really wasn't much to this segment, but it was a nice surprise. That led into the Women's Money in the Bank match featuring Bayley, Io Sky, Zelina Vega, Zoe Stark, Trish Stratus, and Becky Lynch. Zoe and Trish both met Becky in the aisle and started brawling with her before the bell rang. There was a spot where the ladder was set up in the ring with Zelina kind of trapped under it as Bayley and Io grabbed hold of each of her arms and were kind of pulling her back and forth into each end of the ladder. Much like Butch in the men's match, Io delivered a moonsault off the ladder, but this one was in the ring. Trish and Becky actually worked together at one point, delivering a double powerbomb to, I believe, Io. Trish then hit the stratisfaction to Becky on the ladder bridge in the ring. Zoe then pulls out a pair of handcuffs, and she and Trish try to cuff Becky to the bottom rope from the outside, but Becky fights free, although they did end up cuffing her wrist while the other cuff was empty. Becky planted Trish with a manhandle slam off the announce table onto another ladder that was bridged between the table and the ring apron. Back in the ring, Zelina and Zoe were fighting on top of the ladder, and then Zelina pulled out what looked like a sandal and started beating Zoe with it. She then delivered a code red off the ladder into the ladder bridge on the other side, which looked amazing. And speaking of amazing, Barrett actually noted that the move was made famous by Zelina's cousin, Amazing Red. Firstly, I had no idea they were cousins, and I never in a million years expected to hear Amazing Red's name on a WWE PLE. Vince McMahon was clearly not in anyone's ear last night. Eo then climbs up the ladder, only for Bailey of all people, to knock her down. Bailey then climbs the same ladder, but is followed by Becky, who fish hooks her using the other side of the handcuff. As Bailey and Becky are fighting for position, Eo comes back and reaches through the ladder to handcuff Becky to Bailey with both of their arms between the rungs of the ladder so they were both trapped, allowing Eo to climb up over Bailey to grab the case. I'm not so sure how I feel about this outcome, but it was a very creative finish, and as with the men's match, there's an interesting story to tell here. Finn Balor vs. Seth Rollins was second from the top for the World Heavyweight title. Finn immediately starts targeting Seth's ribs, which were taped up due to numerous attacks by Finn in recent weeks, both on Raw and NXT. Seth hits a pedigree at one point, but is unable to capitalize due to the rib injury, and then Damian Priest walks out with the briefcase, and I'm glad they didn't play the music. He just came out, which distracted both guys, and the crowd broke into a cash-it-in chant, referring to the briefcase, of course. 
This kind of distracted from the rest of the match. Seth was distracted initially, allowing Finn to dropkick him into the ringside barricade. Finn then hit a coup de grace off the announce table, and then got a running start to hit another one off the ring steps. Finn then went for a third in the ring, but then Priest got up from his seat, which distracted Finn, allowing Seth to knock him down and hit the stomp to retain his title. Finn and Priest then started arguing after the match. There was a bit of a break in the action as they played a highlight reel of Edge's career for network subscribers. I'm not sure what aired on Peacock at this time, but they noted that Edge will be on SmackDown this week as a guest on the Grayson Waller effect. Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn are then showed up in the skybox, and Kayla catches up with them. Sami says he has a feeling that tonight will be the night that Roman Reigns gets what he deserves. And that led into the main event. It was the Bloodline Civil War with the Usos taking on their brother Solo Sokoa and cousin Roman Reigns in tag team action. Solo started the match for his team and was utilizing power moves in the early going until Roman demanded a tag from the ring apron. The crowd was great, and they actually started a chant of, If you hate Roman, stand up. Jimmy was isolated in the heel corner for most of the match until hot tags were made on either side. Jay tried to dive to the floor but was cut off with a Superman punch by Roman. The Usos answered back with a double spear to Roman in the ring, but Solo broke the pin. The Usos later drilled Roman with a double super kick, and then Jimmy went for a splash, but Roman caught him in a guillotine on the landing. Jimmy actually fought up to his feet and forced Roman backwards, which knocked the ref out of the ring to the floor. The Usos then hit the 1D, but there was no ref to count. Solo and Roman hit a double-team move on Jimmy, which was a combination spear and Samoan spike, and then Roman stacked Jay on top of Jimmy and tried to pin both of them, but they both kicked out. There was a good sequence where Roman hit Jay with a Superman punch, but Jay bounced off the ropes and rebounded with a super kick, and then Roman rebounded off the ropes on the other side and hit a spear. Jay managed to kick out, and as he did, nailed Roman with a low blow, which was a nice throwback to their first match in 2020. And people say WWE doesn't book long term. The Usos then nail Roman once again with a double super kick, and then super kick solo off the ring apron. Jay then hits a splash off the top and pins Roman Reigns. The announcers played this up huge as Roman's first pinfall loss since 2019. I love this as it doesn't hurt either side since Roman still has the title and it keeps the story going. I'm assuming we're getting a four-way for the Universal title at SummerSlam. So that was Money in the Bank. It was a great show. I will be back next week to review UFC 290 and talk about all the other shows of the week. Until then, I leave you with an A-B-C-ya. Yeah.